thank you so much for listening to this podcast, joining us for this this new and exciting and different topic. I'm recording this one today because it's Men's Health Week in June. The topic I'm talking about today is toxic masculinity and gender stereotypes. And it's a subject that I'm really passionate about. I was saying earlier to the chaps that it's possibly coming from a more feminist perspective because I think gender stereotypes that exist actually impact on all the other genders. I think having this kind of the idea of toxic masculinity, this gender stereotyping, particularly male gender stereotypes, can actually breed more stereotypes. It reduces openness. People don't necessarily feel like they can be as open. I think it can cease people's confidence. You know, they can't be confident to be their authentic self as much. And in turn, as a result of that, it could actually be a serious threat to health and well-being because it can affect health outcomes, because we see how it can thread into how an individual go to the doctors, get things checked out, um, talk about their emotions, etc. But I have to say, obviously, these are my assumptions and thoughts. I'm a cisgendered woman and therefore only experience this from my perspective. So I have brought in three of my favourite chaps. Possibly this is a gender stereotype, calling them chaps, lads, gents, men, but they are all from really different generations. We've got them in different work areas and I just they've all got something different to bring to the table. So it'd be great if you can just introduce yourself first, guys, and we will start with yourself, Mark. Thanks, Beth. Uh, so I'm Mark Nicholson, and I'm a key account manager here at Unum. Um, I've been at Unum um, always in a sales capacity for um, 19 years now, and prior to joining Unum, I was basically also in sort of financial services sales teams, mainly sort of based around, around London. Do you know what I've just realised, Mark, is um, you've been working at Unum nearly as long as Tom's been alive. So that's a real insight for, <laughs> for Thank <us>. you, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> and James, yourself. Hi, Beth. I'm James Lewis. I'm a claims manager also here at Unum. Um, been with Unum for 20 years now. And prior to that, I was working in the corporate banking environment for approximately 10 years. Fantastic. So actually... Poor Tom, here we go. We're going to move on to him and his youth, which is why I brought you along, Tom. So, Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Beth. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> um, as you may have gathered, I'm 22 years old or, you know, of a younger generation. Um, yes. I'm a vocational rehabilitation consultant at Unum um, and I'm coming up to my sixth month with the company. Um, I recently went to the University of Portsmouth and graduated last July uh, with a degree in psychology. Thank you. And this is, I mean, I've been taking the Mickey Tom at your youth, so I'm just jealous because I'm nearly twice your age. But it's just the fact that we can, I think that there's a, the new generation are quite comfortable. I think gender is a little bit more fluid. I'd be interested from my assumptions as whether or not there is quite so much of that sort of stereotyping happening at that age, because, you know, I feel like things are changing as we are seeing the younger um, individuals come along, which is why, Tom, I specifically thought of you and you've come into, you know, um, my department where there's a much smaller amount of males doing the job that you do. So again, it's that kind of, how does that fit with you? How do you experience that? First of all, I, I teased Mark about this earlier and said, did you have to Google this term of, of have you ever heard of toxic masculinity? Um, and so I will go to you first, Mark, because I would be interested to, to know what, 
you know, have you have you ever heard of it? And what, you know, from your perspective, what does it mean to you? I have heard of it, Beth, um, but it's because not something cool. I, I hear, you know, <laughs> regularly. Um, but obviously, when you sort of pose the question, I suppose for me, sort of toxic masculinity is 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 people sometimes maybe feeling, you know, under pressure to behave in certain ways, either in their, you know, social group, social interactions, or maybe even for career progression, if they if behaving in a certain way would would further their career with their sort of management team or what have you. So, and I think sort of having that sort of feeling under pressure to be potentially not completely who you want to be sometimes. I like that. How about yourself, Tom? Similarly, I think, um, you know, toxic masculinity to me uh, relates to a hierarchical way of thinking among sort of younger men and um, men of all ages, but in my experience, particularly amongst sort of younger men and that age group. Um, and, you know, where you sit in that sort of hierarchy um, is deemed to be potentially quite important to your sort of peers. Um, and I think there's social pressures to act in a certain way that would maybe put you up higher in that hierarchy system. You know, and I think it can sort of relate to the ego of people as well um, and the negative impact that could sort of have on, you know, yourself and the people around you. That's really interesting. I've never thought of it in that way. So do you mean the more masculine in inverted commas the higher in the hierarchy yeah, okay definitely i think there's there's certain traits and certain behaviors um that maybe could put you in a, a higher position in the social standings of some groups of men um not to generalize too broadly but i think you know i think that is still sort of present and that's really interesting what are your thoughts on it james i was just thinking about that concept of the hierarchy that that kind of um, gets into a bit of a circle in my mind that it isn't necessarily true that you go higher up the hierarchy because of your masculinity. But if people believe that, then other people are going to try to be even more masculine than mm. other people. Um, and then that breeds the whole t toxic concept. Yeah, it's a negative idea, isn't it? It's not. That's why the term is toxic. There are you, you are a male but that doesn't mean that you have to have this macho element that kind of comes with it. I think I think the macho element is okay if that is you. Okay. But I think it's when it's fake and right. then that kind of drives negative behaviours. And it's the risk as well, because if you have to, if it... <laughs> If you're then not going to do certain things that are going to even look after yourself, allow you to grow as an individual, be aware perhaps of like self-aware of emotions, things like that, that can actually be quite limiting to you because you're not going to go and do things that would go against that kind of expectation. Uh, I was going to say, I think as well, it's not just even looking after yourself. I think part of it is actually um, behaving in a very kind of risky or, or way that's bad for your health because that's kind of the the macho image if you like so yeah. i guess things like drinking and really pushing yourself yeah yeah, yeah 100 so i was just gonna um give a little bit of a explanation of toxic masculinity that i've googled mark you'll be pleased to know i googled it um because i just think there's some really interesting sort of ways of it's being displayed and dis described so toxic masculinity isn't just pretty much what james was saying isn't just about behaving like a man instead it involves the extreme pressure some men may feel to act in a way that is actually harmful so there are many definitions 
that appear in research, um, some re researchers have come to agree that toxic masculinity has three core components. So there's toughness, so the notion men should be physically strong, emotionally callous and behaviourally aggressive. This anti-femininity, easy for you to say, this involves the idea that men should reject anything that is considered to be feminine, such as showing emotion or accepting help. And power is the assumption that men must work towards obtaining power and status so they can gain the respect of others. And I that that bit really strikes with me because I feel like we are seeing more men getting to that kind of um, male menopause age, you know, that kind of 40s, 50s. And if they aren't, you know, the expectation is that women are not doing well because they are staying at home. You know, women have to work hard as well now and, and, and push to be seen as equal. But then what if a man isn't the main breadwinner as an example of that? Because the woman is now, which is completely fair enough. That's the way we are working. How does that then impact on how the male's feeling? Because a woman's striving to be achieving and be above. But then now, does that mean that you're not going and fitting with that expectation? And how does that feel on individuals? Any thoughts of that? I think I think from my perspective, I mean, I was I was sort of brought up in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, I think the, the roles of, of men and women in their futures were almost sort of, you know, predetermined to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, I was I was male. So I was, you know, predetermined to be the breadwinner of my mm. family when I get older. You know, um, if I wasn't feeling particularly good about things, you'd be told to man up. Mm. Um, and um, and I think today, I think things have changed because mm. I know the way that I was brought up compared to the way I brought my children up is completely different in terms of the expectations on them. Either as a, I've got sons and daughters, so so as a male or a or a or a, fe or a female. So I think today, I don't think the pressure is so much on a man to to feel that he still needs to be that that person, the alpha male, if you like. Yeah. Of, for want of a, of, a, of a better word. I think I think potentially there's probably more pressure going back a few years, but I think now it, we, we seem to live in a, we do, we live in a much more sort of accepting and, and um, sort of environment where where these things are, are discussed. I guess the other sort of thing is that, you know, there was no, you know, the, the concept of going to a doctor for anything other than a physical ailment, you know, when I was, was, was you know, you just wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't go to a doctor and say, I'm not feeling brilliant mentally. Yeah, uh, and and yet we can, we do have those those sort of access to those resources now, and and and, um, and some of them maybe not as easy to access as they should be, but even so, they are there, and children, teenagers, and adults know that they're there as well. So that I think that role of of still being sort of that that macho sort of leading male is is there isn't such a a, a pressure on on males to to feel that way. Uh, that's really interesting because I. I'm thinking about it from a slightly different angle. I completely agree with what Mark said, but as kind of a, I guess, a member of the gay community myself, I think think there's a lot of toxic masculinity within that group. So I think you get the the guys that are very macho and go to the gym and very straight acting. They look down on people who don't fit into that stereotype. You can still see it's existing. That yeah. there is that kind of expectation and i can see what mark's saying between men and women it seems less so certainly than when i was working in the corporate banking environment but from a social point of view i guess my community i see that that's kind of increased in prevalence it's really fascinating isn't it from an, from the other generational element tom you know because mark's saying he knew that the expectation of roles 
were there as younger, I had to be the, the more breadwinner, et cetera, because I was a man. Where do you fit with this? You know, in a complete, you know, 20 years later down the line, what are the expectations that you feel are placed on you? Is it a gender thing or is it something completely different? I personally think a lot of it's situational. Um, I certainly don't think that nowadays that sort of, um, those sort of gender stereotypes and expectations are as broadly encouraged as, you know, um, in yesteryear, you know, I think nowadays. Yesteryear. Yesteryear. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, it's, it, it does depend on the circles that you sort of um, are in. Personally, um, growing up, uh, I was very into football. You know, my family have always been very into football and things like that. And I've been going to um, Fratton Park and watching Ports play since I was six years old. So from a very young age, I know that I was in a situation and in a community that still had a lot of elements of, sort of toxic masculinity and those sort of gender stereotypes. And, you know, I think in that sense, it's made it quite clear in a way that it does depend on the sort of situations that you're in, as opposed to now not being an overriding societal norm that men need to be masculine and women need to be feminine. I think it really is dependent on situation and sort of social situations that you find yourself in. So it still exists, but just in different areas. So we're no longer seeing it in a kind of you're growing up and these are expectations, but there still is this kind of there we are more male or macho areas and there's more kind of feminine areas that can exist within life. That's all really, really good insight. And I, th I think I see it as well because. I've, I was the main breadwinner for a while in our family. I was gutted when I stopped being it and actually didn't know what my role was. It, and it, it took my role away because I always felt really proud of that. And then all of a sudden, my husband got um, a, a different job, a sales job, and as a result, was able to to provide more. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, what's he with me for? Like, why does it, and you, your relationship balance changes. It, th there is a flux. So it, it's not necessarily that wasn't a gender thing. That was a financial thing. It's very different. So I think you're right. It's no longer expectations. My daughter isn't growing up and I'm saying you need to become a, some, a more kind of stereotypical type job. I'm saying you can do whatever you want. Don't. And she, she came home from school the other day and she went, this boy said that he was stronger and faster than me. And she was like, absolutely not having it. And she went, I'm going to arm wrestle him tomorrow and I'm going to race him. And I was like, yes, you are going to do that. And you are going to beat him. And she didn't even conceptualize that there was a difference in strength or stamina or anything between a girl and a boy. And that's where we're, I think we're, we're really championing the kind of equality piece from a young age. So it's, it's really interesting interesting from that perspective. I was wondering, because you've talked about that kind of stereotype, we've talked about stereotypes in a, in a partnership and in situations, but you know, would you say that there has been any impact that gender stereotypes have had on you, if any? Maybe go to you first, James, from that. I think in the past, yes. I've yeah. tried to conform to stereotypes. And when I was working in banking, there was kind of an attitude of all of the men, it was a very male environment, would work as many hours as they could in a day and you felt obliged to fit in with that whereas these days it's I think it's quite the opposite certainly with my team if they're working additional hours I'm kind of questioning well why is that and what can we do to support you so the gender stereotypes were they were having a, an impact on your work ethic at that time which leads me interestingly onto Mark because I know that you've been in a very stereotypical that sort of sales environment so do you think that there's been an impact or, or that you've experienced it or seen it yourself uh yes I yeah definitely and, and sort of thinking about you know reflecting sort of back over 
over my sort of career in sales just you know for uh, for this podcast today has been sort of quite an interesting sort of process really professionally uh, you know my chosen path has been financial services sales and sort of london based and you know i i think for you know early days there's very much a you know play hard work hard play hard mm. culture and as james said you know drinking culture celebrate success to the point that you know i think i think those sales teams were dominated in numbers by by men and i think we went along with that kind of behavior because you think it's what your senior management are looking for in you know i i kind of i guess i did sort of fall into that to to some degree and the other sort of interesting thing you know sort of thinking back on it is that there were sort of women in those sales teams not many you know a smaller percentage but quite often their behavior would would change mm. in line with how we were behaving as well so um and um yeah it's you know i never really thought of it at the time but it's when you sort of look back and 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 you and you see that in all of my sort of you know early sales teams you know early career you know big drinking culture as well so you'd go out and you'd work hard but you'd go out and celebrate success and and um, and that impacted i guess me young families I had back then yeah. and, and, and all the rest of it and you sort of say to yourself well you know I'm I'm providing here so this is what I do but I wasn't particularly present you know yeah. for yeah um for for a, a large part of that but yeah you know so yes I, I think it, it definitely I've seen it and was probably influenced it well that's the, how I the, grew up I grew up without my dad around because he was off earning money and my mum worked lived at home she didn't work we had a cleaner we had a gardener, we had an ironing lady, and that was, you know, he, that was how our life, I mean, that's, sorry, that was just talking about how wonderful a childhood I had, but, you know, apart from that, there was that kind of stereotypical, the ma- and all my dad's colleagues were male, all the senior managers were male, whereas now we've got actual expectations within businesses to have a split, but that's always going to, it's just going to trickle down, isn't it? These split existed many, many years ago. Everyone's got caught up in it. Everyone's had these expectations. And now we're trying to counter that. So I suppose what we're looking at is how much of that kind of, how much effort are we having to put in to counter what has existed for many, many years? Incorrectly so, but it has always um, existed. How about yourself, Tom? Again, I think, you know, it is situational in terms of, um, the occupation that you're in will have a major influence on sort of those you know gender stereotypes and mm. you know the expectations maybe of you as a man um i know i've got friends that work you know uh, sort of physical jobs building sites you know um trades people there's a very different expectation there on how they're expected to present themselves compared mm. to myself in my current role you know and i think sort of as mark touched on there i've also got friends that um work in sales and there is still that attitude among them, you know, of going back to that sort of hierarchy system as well, um, and those expectations of how they should act and present themselves around their colleagues and things like that. So I think it was quite interesting to sort of think about other people as well as myself um, and sort of the different perceptions that I know they have of their own workplace and kind of what's expected of them um, as men, you know, because. I think my friends are predominantly men. Um, (laughs) So it is quite interesting to see how that varies um, through different occupations. 
I think occupation still does have a, an element to play. I wonder if you were just talking about your construction people. One of the first conversations I had with Tom was make sure you have your lunch break, leave your desk at, at, for the whole of 45 minutes. If you, you will have to work longer hours at times, but make sure that you do. Fit. And yet we had this whole conversation about the support available and what you needed to do to look after yourself because that's obviously my background, but also you just worry about individuals not looking after themselves. But I wonder how many of the construction men <laughs> managers were having the same conversation. Maybe for health and safety, they do have to have those lunch breaks. I'd be interested now where we've been thinking quite a lot about the, the definition of the male and the expectations of the male, the impact it can have on an individual, is now to look at it from, some, from the opposite perspective perspective and thinking about expectations of women, stereotypes of women, the perceived role of the woman. So if we flip it around, we've been saying how you've been experiencing things as a man. Does actually what we're expecting of women impact you? Yeah. And James, I can see you nodding there, so I'd be interested. Well, I, I was thinking whilst Mark and Tom were talking, actually, that when you think, think about some of the behaviours associated with toxic masculinity yeah. and we talked about being tough pushing yourself to kind of your limits mm. um etc i think those behaviors still exist but i think it's less gender specific now so yeah. i can think within the workplace where you see women who want to move on with their career yeah. and perhaps in the past they've observed males exhibiting these behaviors and then emulating that themselves so now it's just toxicity. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just general aggression. Fantastic. We've, we've created monsters. <laughs> Does that make yeah, sense? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming because they, they start displaying instead of actually just being successful in themselves, they've started to try and take on male, toxic male qualities in order to, to progress. That's a really interesting take on it. How about anybody else? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with it, actually. It's a, it's an interesting point, you know, toxic femininity. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been out on a Saturday or Friday night and 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 seen, you know, hand parties which are far more raucous than than, <laughs> a, than, a, than a stag night, you know. And, and then, you know, that's sort of, you know, that always sort of, you know, is, I guess it's indicative of, of what kind of what James was saying, really, just taking that, that step further. This, I mean, that is a stereotype in itself, isn't it? That we're saying that a stag do has to be more raucous than a hen do. And a hen do now, the women have to be, you know, it's, just, it's incredibly stereotypical, just the whole concept of that and the expectations of what needs to be going on there. Um, I think that, that that idea, actually, and this will probably link quite a lot to, to Tom, is that kind of probably the drink culture in general and how it's opened up a lot more and you see you probably saw it a lot more at university Tom but it's much more even now would you say? I think so you know I certainly I have female friends that will be able to drink more than me and mm. will drink more than me <laughs> mm. if we go out um, as a big group you know I think it is much more sort of even in that sense now um, whilst there are still you know laddie nights out if you want to call them that mm. um, I think there are parties of both genders when you do go out and things like that, you know, that are acting in very similar ways. Um, I know, for, as an example, you know, I, I go to lots of live music events and things like that. You know, it's both men and women, both drinking, you know, both um, doing what you do at a live music event, you know, jumping around. Sweating um, and yeah, jumping and singing. Sweating, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that it is, 
more even now in that sense, particularly from sort of a drinking culture perspective, um, in my experience, particularly, like you say, at university, is quite noticeable. Has it changed? Because women have been, you know, really pushing to see equality, you know, we've been, we've got the vote, you know, like, think, do you think that, that that has had an impact on the way men are and the roles and expectations of men now? Because we do see uh, women, James, being more aggressive, so to speak, in the workplace because we want to progress further. Women are now not satisfied with being uh, just, you know, seen as a lesser gender, so on and so forth. Do you think that that has had an impact on then how men are? Personally, no, I don't think it has impacted me particularly. You know, I, you know, I think whenever sort of I'm, I'm sort of working and introduced or working with someone, you know, gender isn't the the issue. It's it's what you know. It's you take that person as a person, and and whether they're they're good or bad, indifferent in terms of what yeah. you're going to do with them. It's it's not that for me. It's not gender specific. Obviously, there is this. You know, you know, you've been. I've been reading for years about the glass ceiling for women, and mm. and the fact that you know it's really really difficult for for women to smash through that. But that's now we that, you know we're getting all these gender pay gap reports, aren't we, and things, mm. you know, which can which are which are shining a light and focus on 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 equality in work, and and I. You know, obviously, I think it's it's the right thing, um, and and certainly within our organisation, we're seeing more more and more women in those in those sort of higher higher up positions. Which again, it's a it's a it's a positive thing. I think also sort of person, I suppose, is that again, I you know going back to you know I just sort of look back at those days, but you know the sort of 25, 30 years ago. But I suppose my my prof- my well personal and professional relationships are much more diverse than they were in those days i i just had pretty much male friends i didn't have any mm. female friends you know so, you know maybe you'd go for you know if it was a works night out you go for a drink after work but then you'd, you'd always leave with your buddies and you know yeah. so so uh but i i you know now i i have sort of genuine sort of you know not only, not only gender specific you know female friends but also you know those people that may be you know going back you know even men that were a little bit quieter in those sales teams and would almost be not ignored as such, but talked over by your sort of louder, brasher kind of mm. guys, and and, um, and and obviously you're probably missing a lot of great ideas from these people as well because they didn't feel they could actually share. Um, mm. So I think I think it's important to have you know not just gender specific, but just a more diverse sort of um, you know selection of people in your life. I guess. I think I just echo what Mark said. Really, I think if you do think back 20, 25 years ago, it was much more of a hierarchy a tell culture there was less collaboration because mm. th- that there was somebody who was very dominant kind of as a manager telling you what to do and I also agree with Mark I don't tend to look at genders now within the the workplace you just collaborate with people and kind of deal with their personal style that, it, I think that's br- I love that idea and that, that makes me really pleased so gender exists but it's not a barrier but what we can, what we're still seeing, I think, is that there are, there are certain, certain legacies, negative legacies that still remain, um, and the bit that that brings me on to, because I mentioned or alluded to earlier about the fact that there can be a threat to health 
and well-being because of these legacies. Mark, you said you would only go to the hospital, the doctor for, not you personally, but in the past, you would probably only go to the doctor for like a physical ailment. It's interesting you say that because most prostate cancers are diagnosed incredibly late because a male doesn't want to go to the doctor, even though it's a physical ailment or testicular cancer, or really they're normally two years into their condition when they go and seek mental health support. So the people, it's, it's, and it is not got any better. And this is the bit that I was really, you know, when I'm thinking about these kind of the toxicity element and the gender stereotype element, yes, we're starting to see on the front of it, there's an equality at work. We're not, we're not seeing gender, but there is a legacy, which is, which is ominous because people are still kind of, there's something about the openness that doesn't exist still. So I'd be interesting, interested to hear, I think, from you and James and Tom specifically from working with you know clients and employees from absence with their absences and with their conditions Tom I don't know if you have anything that you've noticed even in the past six months of your work yeah I think um before we sort of came on to do the podcast I did have a sort of a quick look back through the cases just out of interest to, to kind of the ones I've taken on in regards yeah. to mental health particularly at the moment um, and there is still, you know, massive disparity in terms of the the mental health cases that I've encountered since sort of mm. starting my role with the Unum. Um, you know, I, I looked back and I think I've counted up that in terms of cases that are related directly to mental health, um, I've only taken on three cases from men, um, whereas I've taken on 12 from women. Wow. And I think most women that I've sort of spoken to about any condition that they've come to me for, you know, rehab, I think most of the time they've been open to discuss mental health problems you know it's come up naturally in the conversation uh, whereas with men i think i only sort of counted about two um other men who were sort of open not open to talking about it but did mention it mm. and even in those instances they just sort of brushed it off as not relevant you know yeah. i'm here because i have got a broken bone <laughs> yeah for example um i'm not here to talk about my mental health um you know and it was it was quite a stark difference when I look back in the sort of cases that I've handled over the last sort of five six months um, as to the the openness the difference in openness between men and women um, when talking about mental health. I mean that's pretty much sums up the session in a nutshell. That particular co- you know because that's what I'm trying to get at is that it's we're not necessarily living it and experiencing it and spending our lives in fear of the fact that we're not coming across in a certain way externally, but clearly something intrinsically is still making people not be quite so open. Have, have you seen the same, James? Obviously, Tom's looking at things a bit earlier when they've just gone off sick, but you're looking at that claims and also possibly as a manager as well. Yeah, I think after 20 years of looking at new claims coming in, um, I've become a little bit of an expert in kind of spotting <laughs> when there's actually a mental health element just from what's put down on a claim form. Okay. So, for example, I quite often see a claim form come in where um, the chap may have put down that he's off with a bad back right. and I've had this back condition for 10 years. And I've also got headaches and I'm also feeling sick and et cetera. There's a whole host of physical symptoms. All these stress symptoms, really, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then when you drive down it a little bit more and you do kind of a telephone contact with that claimant, you can usually tease it out that there's actually mm. a mental health element to it. But even then, there's barriers put up. If you start talking about, well, 
you've got access to your employee assistance program if you thought about using that mm. you can get the response well that's not going to help me just talking to someone um i've heard as well people say i just need some tablets and then i'll be fine and also from when we're looking at gp records we see people are recommended to do things like online cbt mm. and particularly the older male generation um, in my experience, when you talk to them, they either don't engage with it or their preconception is this isn't something I want to do. I yeah. don't want to have to kind of put I, my emotions out there yeah. and open up. Well, I was looking at our um, CBT usage and it's it's like a 30-70 split. More women, uh, still less men, and it's always younger. The older the older chaps, they need it possibly more, but they're less less engaging. Mark, you know... Long in the tooth. Long in the t- <laughs> I'm just interested yes, because because you're almost. I mean, I don't think you are specifically um, in a, a toxic masculine, but you've got the background of like what you were saying. You know, you were ingrained in a certain type of job. You've done a certain type of role. How you know? We've just sit. You've said, "Oh, I would definitely go to the doctor and I'd definitely get help." We've seen that the people aren't. What's your take on it? Do you think? When push came to shove, what would you do? So it's a good question because I do think about this. You know, I, we work for a, a company that has a wealth of resource mm. and services available to to not only our employees but also to our to our customers. And so we we get used to talking about this stuff every single day. Yeah. You know, EAP, mental health services, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you know, when it comes to to me sort of thinking would I ever I've never you know ever accessed any of these myself you know um and probably should have done at some point in my career you know everyone has everyone has ups and downs and difficult points in their lives for various reasons and and I've never accessed them and and I don't know whether that's an age thing you know if younger people would be more open to to contacting services but um yeah so so no I've never used them but I do like the fact that you can self-refer, you don't have to go through mm. someone else. I think that would that would certainly be a more attractive sort of you know way of of, of getting you know support if I if I felt I needed to. Um, so you know I've said all this stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm probably one of those people that that you know haven't been to the doctors for years either. You said about our younger people open, Tom, picking on you as the twenty-year-old, twenty-two-year-old lad. Like, how do you think that you're more open? I think I, I am more open to the idea, but I still think that uh, for me personally, you know, that element of it being discreet is still more attractive into, right. you know, that not broadcasting it is still subconsciously there. Um, mm. so I, I am the worst person to talk to about going to the doctors because I, I hate going to the doctors and I hate anything medical. Um but I think, you know, that's partially just down to a bit of a, a bit of anxiety around medical things like that. But I think, you know, I think it's still a more attractive prospect that it can be done discreetly. So I think maybe there's still some subconscious element there that you don't want to broadcast it necessarily. You know, you talk about it sort of close friends and things like that, but it's not something you'd want. So is this a stigma thing about men or a stigma thing about getting help I'm just interested in that element do you think it's a masculine issue because obviously women are going females are going to have more help individuals that are going through gender um, diversity and gender, like transgender individuals are needing more help and getting more help as well uh, so are we actually all the other genders 
are going to get support and we're just still left with this legacy of men not getting support because of the intrinsic even though all of the other things have changed it's this is the threat probably i you know i think things have changed i mentioned i've got sort of a more sort of diverse sort of you know sort of friendship group and and you know, I suppose, again, going back a few years, you wouldn't talk about your feelings to your friends okay. uh, or how you were doing. You would almost put this, you know, you'd put your smile on and, and, and as many people do, go out and say, yeah, everything's good, everything's great right. when, it, when, it, when it actually isn't. You know, I'm certainly at that point where I could say to some certain friends, you know, I'm not doing so well at the moment. Um, you know, this is okay. happening or that's happening or I'm not feeling this. And, and, then, and then I, you know, you would, I mean, and I, I feel I could, I probably have to a point and they've said, well, have you thought about, you know, getting help or accessing some sort of support and then I then I just then it's I don't know just works itself out or I've moved on and, and not I've never really sort of gone that gone down that road so I think from that perspective yes that that's a big change for me but to access the support I still just know there's some, probably something just in me that that feels that it's got to be you know I've got to be you know almost life and death before I you know, okay. before I sort of do something like you know, and 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 I can't I can't really describe I can't really tell you why, but it just feels like that to me. How can we change it? I'm just thinking now, coming to the end of the session, how can we make that change? What could we be doing differently? What is our responsibility as individuals, managers, colleagues, parents? I'll start with you, James. Have think, you ever thought of that? Yeah, I think from a a work point of view, um, something I do with my team which I know many managers do, is um, when we're having our monthly catch-ups, we always go for a walk outside of the workplace. Nice. And kind of the initial part of the walk is more talking about the individual, about yeah. how they're feeling, what's going on outside work. And sometimes that can end up taking the whole one-to-one -one conversation because mm. it's important to kind of give them that talking space. Nice. Um, and allow them to open up. Yeah. Do you think talk, walking, I'm just thinking of this as the male piece, walking and not making eye contact and being side by side with someone, do you think there's a more possibility of them opening up? I don't know, Mark's smiling because I feel like you're, you know, if you're sitting going, how are you and how are you feeling? The walk. No, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'm totally agreeing. I think I'm yeah. totally right and because I, I did exactly the same thing with my, my line manager last week. Yeah. <laughs> and we went for a walk, you know. And you yeah. felt a bit like you could talk more. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're not inside. You're not in an office. You're not in a yeah. meeting room. You're, you're outside. It's like, you know, it's you just feel a little bit more that way. Open. Anything else, James, you was going to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say as well, you know, if there is an issue and somebody does need support, then it's working out um, and making sure, sure that they get access to that support. So if an individual doesn't feel confident making that contact themselves and as a line manager in the past I've done it where I've made that contact with nice, them yeah. or for them I think that's worth exploring with people as well that's a good option what about you Tom I think um overall the best way to change things is to try and break through the barrier in a sense and continue trying to just sort of discuss these things with each other and you know even though it's difficult and I know personally thinking about sort of my personal life and things like that if ever I'm going to talk to a sort of a male friend um, about uh, you know mental health problems or anything like that I'd say nine times out of ten it will be a text you know we won't be in the pub or something and they won't say you know oh, I'm really really struggling um, mm. it will be a text still so I think like you were saying sort of about not making that eye contact and things yeah. like that 
even on a subconscious level even you know that that does still um, exist but ultimately I think the best way to make the change is to try and break through that barrier and you know my friends always know that they can talk to me because we've sort of made that clear with each other because obviously the highlight has been on men's mental health over the last I'd say particularly over the last five years Mm. you know and so we have sort of made a real effort in line with that to make that clear to each other but even now there's still a yeah you know and it's necessary but there's still a way to go because you've got to get to the point where it's not just a text out of the blue got to make sure that we're sort of talking to each other in person you know because you you could talk to someone for two three hours and they'll be absolutely fine and then might get home and they might say oh actually I wasn't doing so great and it'd probably make make them feel more reassured if we got to the point where you're able to talk to each other in person but I I mean I feel like a text is probably far more uh, far better than even what you were talking about Mark where you wouldn't talk to anyone at all so we're 50% further along, but there's still kind of that extra bit. What last little thoughts from you, Mark, on anything that we can be doing to change this? I think I just agree with what James and and, and Tom have said, really. You know, breaking through that barrier, um, talking about things more. I mean, I'm starting to have those conversations with people, but I do know that some of my friends have, have had, you know, difficult times. We're at an age now where we're, you know, getting, you know, elderly people mm. have, dying and bereavements and other things are going on with their with their kids or what have you and I know they're struggling and they don't reach out so I've got to the point now where and I think we've we kind of sort of talked about this you know to say mate are you okay you know I'll just say yeah. the text and go how you doing I know you've had a pretty rubbish time over the last few weeks do you want to do you want to meet up and stuff and, and just trying to reach out to people I think that's really important because we all kind of know we don't always know but quite often we've got an inclination that someone's maybe just having a bit of a rough time so uh so reaching out and just sort of saying hey you know are you okay do you need anything you know do you want to meet up things like that i think is really important but uh yeah and probably it really just just promoting those conversations and uh you know and and um you know for men being able to say no actually it's it's not okay at the moment for whatever reason it's on everyone isn't it this is on everyone this is this is doesn't affect if because i'm a woman it does not affect me it affects me because i can spot it and still support it affects me because i have male colleagues and friends and it it exists for everyone it's not just a them problem or us problem or or at all we're also raising children we're also raising more staff and colleagues and we need to call out negative behaviors and we need to raise our you know just like i said about my daughter going i'm i could beat that boy and i was like absolutely that's what we need to be encouraging we need to be discouraging our children from being closed and not talking about their how they're feeling and um you said mark you're raising your children girls and boys in exactly the same way and their expectations of life are exactly the same which was definitely not the way things used to be at all so i think that there's an uh, the, the the solution i mean it's a massive it's a massive topic and we've talked about the fact that it feels like you mark you you alluded to the grass ceiling for women there still exists this for man for men the spotlight is being shone on it but there's still more we can be doing each individual person because exactly what you said we're we're seeing equality within work people are being more open within work we're now getting these text messages and talking to each other in that way but we're still not seeing it translating 
to real life support and help and how people are taking their lives, how people are not getting treatment soon enough because there's still this kind of closed element to it. So I think the responsibility is on everybody. Gender isn't necessarily a thing anymore, but the construct of it exists and that is what is putting people at life at risk. So catching up with each other, catching up as a manager, making sure that we are not making assumptions, reaching out to each other and just generally if you see if you see something, address it and 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 let's break those barriers. Thank you so much for your time guys. You're welcome. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much and we will see you for the next podcast. Yeah.